Hello. Good afternoon. This is Sunday, September 12, 2021, and you are watching or listening to the Inspiring Word Bible Broadcast. I want to thank you for allowing us to come into your life, whether it is by uh, sitting at home in your living room, whether it is in your vehicle, regardless of what's going on, I want to thank you. It is the Word of God that we are called to present. We are not concerned with personal opinions, with uh, politics, or with anything else. We are looking specifically at God's Word, and we hope that it is a blessing to you in this broadcast. So, as we begin today, we want to open up with a word of prayer. Uh, we want to remember all of our armed forces, um, our first responders, sheriff's departments, all of the law enforcement, corrections uh, officers, and those folks who work diligently to keep us safe, to keep us protected. We have just uh, observed the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and that is something that's very sensitive to a lot of people. A lot of people have lost friends and loved ones, not only in that tragedy of 9-11, but in the 20 years of war that have followed. A lot has been sacrificed by so many. We're grateful for that. We want to remember them in prayer today. We also want to remember any issue that you have in your life, whatever it may be whether it is financial, whether it is physical, whether it is spiritual, whether it is emotional, God understands, God knows what it is. He already knows, and all He's wanting is for you to bring it to Him. I think often like my pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Steve Hawkins, uh, reminds us often that the uh, first part of the Westminster Confession and many other confessions as well asked us what is the chief end? The chief end. What is the end purpose of our existence? It is to worship and glorify God. The purpose of His Word is to worship and glorify God. The purpose of my life is to worship and glorify God. The purpose of your life is to worship and glorify God. I want you to remember that. Not just through this message and this broadcast, but in the broadcast that follow in the days to come. Let's remember in prayer each other. Let's remember ourselves. Not in a selfish, self-centered way of God I want, but in a way of coming to God and desiring His will, His work in our life. Desiring that we could be that vessel that glorifies Him and worships Him. Let's remember ourselves in that form and in that fashion. Without any further hesitation, Let's bow our heads together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We will begin our broadcast. Lord, as we bow before you today, I want to thank you for all of the blessings that you have provided throughout this week. I want to thank you for the grace and the mercy that you have shown in my life, in the lives of my family members, my wife, everything that you have done in my life, the things that I'm aware of, and Lord, the many, many more that I have no idea of your intervention in. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the nation that we have. As flawed as it is, as troubled as it is, Lord, you are extending grace and mercy much beyond what we deserve, and I thank you for I thank you for all of our armed forces, everyone in uniform, all of the law enforcement, all of the first responders, 
Heavenly Father, those that uh, work diligently to keep our prisons locked down tight and, and, and keep dangerous people away from society. Lord, I pray for our nation's leadership. I pray for the state leadership. I pray, Heavenly Father, for local leadership. I pray that you would be lifted up and glorified in everything that they do. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take your word as it is given today. That you would send it out into the hearts and lives of those who are watching and who are listening. Those, Heavenly Father, around the corner and around the world. Lord, I pray that you would take it and you would send it into their presence. The way that those people that you know that need it. Heavenly Father, you've already chosen those whom you're going to touch with your word, whom you're going to put it in their lives. Lord, I'm thankful for that. Now as we close in prayer and as we open your word, I ask that you would bless it, bless it to accomplish everything that you have purposed it to do. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. We're going to continue in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 6, and we're going to begin with verse 45 this afternoon. While you find your place, I want to go back and kind of bring you, refresh your memory. In chapter 6, we began with Jesus being rejected in Nazareth. Nazareth was Jesus' hometown. That's where he grew up. And he had returned there. But he returned to a, to a group of people who were full of unbelief. Even though they had, uh, they had heard, and even in some cases, some of them witnessed uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And the, the, the many miracles that he had done with healing and, and everything going on there, they still had unbelief. Well, Jesus went from there to sending out his twelve. He commissioned them to go out two by two. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. And he anointed them that uh, they may be able to to heal those who were sick and, and and he wanted the gospel preached preached for repentance that people should repent of their sin and that took place while they were gone while they were gone Mark now comes in and he inserted the beheading of John the Baptist and everything that went on there with with John's uh, refusal to recant anything said about Herod and Herodias and, and the adultery and, and everything that went on there between Herod and his brother, John was beheaded. And as Mark finished that segment, then he picks up on last on the last couple of weeks where we have gone through what went on with the feeding of the 5,000. You see, that took place when the apostle, the 12, returned uh, from their preaching ministry. They, were, they, were, they wanted to tell Jesus about everything that had happened, all of their experiences, and the way they had been blessed and, and what had happened and taken place. So they wanted to go to a deserted place. So Jesus took them so they could rest and so they could talk with him and fill him in. They went by boat across the Sea of Galilee, which would have been just, it would have been a few miles across to the mountainside. And there would have been two to four miles maybe across the Sea of Galilee. And across the shoreline from where they were to where they were going was probably 10 miles or more. So here Jesus was 
and his disciples, and they got to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and lo and behold, there was a crowd of people, a mob was waiting on them. You see, the crowd that was on the other side, they they wanted to know more. They, they, they had the Sermon on the Mount. They had been preached to by the uh, by, by the apostles of the, the twelve disciples, and and all of that was taking place, and all of that was fresh, and they wanted to know more. They were hungry for knowing more about Jesus, so they covered the ten miles of shoreline faster than Jesus and his twelve could go by boat across the four miles at most, the maximum. So they met him there, and. Jesus continued to work with them. But then it got late. And Jesus' disciples said, said, Master, you need to send the people away. They need to eat. They need to have daylight to get into the city, get into the areas where they're in the villages where they can get something to eat, where they can buy something. And Jesus told his disciples, You feed them. You feed them. Well, then we went through the and broke down the feeding of the 5,000 and we saw the blessings there and the teachings of faith and grace and the blessings of God and His sovereignty for His people. So now at the end, we're at the end of the feeding of the 5,000. That has finished. So now they had all eaten and they were dispersing. Now we pick up in verse 45 where we're at for tonight's message. Immediately he made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all said, they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them. And the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. So, we see the crowds have dispersed. Jesus tells his people immediately. I mean, just that, at that moment, just that quickly, he tells them, guys, y'all, you, you get in a boat. All of you get in a boat, and you head to Bethsaida, and I will meet you there. I've got something I need to do. You see, it was implied that Jesus was going to meet them later. He, he had some plans. Now, Bethsaida is a town on the west side of the Sea of Galilee and slightly south of Kirkurna. So, they were all on board, and that, that was the game plan, okay? They were going to take off, and they were going to go that direction, while Jesus, according to verse 46, was going to go up in the mountain to pray. Now, if you look at a map, the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee is a very mountainous area. There are steep slopes and they lead up to various plateaus. 
one of the slopes, any of those slopes, would be a good place to go pray, to get away from the crowd. So here we have Jesus setting a standard, setting a standard for his disciples, for those twelve, and everyone from that point on who will ever read this in his gospel. It is the power of personal prayer. Personal prayer. It is such an important part of our relationship with God that Christ himself, the very Son of God, practiced it. And not only did he practice it, but the Holy Spirit saw to it that it was recorded in the Gospels for you and I and all before us and all ahead of us to read and to understand and to learn from. I can't begin to try to describe to you how important your personal prayer life is. Yes, in our churches, we need to have a corporate prayer life. Over these type of broadcasts, we need a corporate prayer life. Corporate meaning all of us joining together in prayer at the same time with the same heart the same desires without one mind and one accord yet when we have our private moments those moments where it's us and God where we can sit down with him one on one and have that amazing relationship, that discussion, that conversation, just like a, a child with a parent. No, not being a scolding or anything, it's not a disciplinary thing, it's a conversation between a sovereign God and the redeemed of Jesus Christ. God desires that. He desires that in your life. He desires it in my life. He desired it in the life of Christ. If we're going to find that spot where we worship God and where we glorify God, it has to begin with our prayer life, our personal prayer life. So he gives us something to think about. Where do I stand in my personal prayer life? Do I make time for God? You know, I, I've mentioned it many times, and I will mention it many more, how important it is that we find time to be in God's Word, and reading, and learning, and studying, meditating on what is written, how it is written, why it is written, what's God saying to me. And the same thing, and the, the, the same discipline should apply to our prayer life. You see, our prayer life is right there with the reading of the Word of God. We have God communicating to us through His Word, and us communicating to God through the prayer life. The two-way communication. The two-way meeting. My goodness, what a blessing it is to really get our heart wrapped around this. To really get our mind and our heart in one accord and a desire, a desire to feed and to, to feed our faith, a desire to feel and learn and grow with the grace of God. To see everything unfold in our spiritual lives and us grow and develop. If you want to grow and develop in your relationship with God, it will come through prayer. And it will develop itself into your Bible study. But then in verse 47 we see something. 
we see that the disciples are in the middle of the sea. When, when even came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone, Jesus was alone on the land. So why would that be in there? Why would it be such a big deal to be in the middle of the sea? Well, traveling across the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, they would have usually been within a couple of miles of shore. But that evening, the wind picked up, and it carried the boat further south, closer to the center of the lake. So now they're in the now they're in the in the middle of the lake. They're in a windstorm, and they've got a, who knows what else going on out there. And if you've ever been in a boat on the lake, and you get out of the narrows, out of the hollows. And out of those areas, and you get into the main channel of the lakes, and during a storm, the water is very frightening. Even on the smallest of lakes, it gets really choppy. The wind gets really rough. And regardless of the size of the boat motor you have, in this day and time, it still pushes the boat where it may. There was no boat motor on the disciples' boat. It was only rowing. And they were losing that battle. They were right now in the middle of it. And it was a struggle. It was a struggle for them. In verse 48, we pick up that Jesus saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now, we already know from the previous verse that Jesus was on land. And this was evening. Much greater than that. It was dark. Because, continuing in 48, we say, Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. The fourth watch of the night is from 3 to 6 a.m. So, Jesus was on land. It was dark. The disciples were in a boat that was being pushed by a windstorm more and more into the middle of the lake, but Jesus saw them. He saw them straining. You see, the sovereignty of God enacted through His Son, Jesus Christ, does know all things. Jesus is an all-knowing he really is. Wherever you are in your spiritual walk right now, He knows where you are. Where you need to be, He knows where you are. He knows how far off course you've been blown. He knows how far you've been moved against the destination that He has set for you. But now what does Jesus do? Jesus comes to them walking on the sea. Regardless of how difficult it may have been and, and a picture of that, walking on the sea, the verb in this, in, in, in that little section, depicts a, a steady progress that is unhindered. So, regardless of how high the waves were, how strong the wind was, it did not hinder Jesus. Regardless of how strong the waves are in your life, or how heavy the wind is, as far as blowing you off course, if you are a child of God, he sees it. And it will not hinder him from coming to you. Just as he came to these in this boat, he will come to you where you are. If you're one of his children. If you're one of his in the boat. Think about it. We, we see here that 
he would have passed them by. More literally, it means that he desired to come alongside of it. In the case that Jesus had a motive, he had an intention. He, he wanted to test the faith of his disciples. So Jesus deliberately changed course. And he came alongside the boat to see if they were going to recognize him. And to see if they were going to recognize and remember how powerful he was with the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 and everything else they had witnessed. And to see if they were going to invite him to come on board. Now here lies something very important to to what, I'm, what I just got finished saying about Jesus coming to you in the middle of your storm. He will come to you. If you're a child of His, He will come to you in the middle of your storm. But He will come close enough for you to recognize Him. He will come close enough for you to realize and remember the authority that He has in your life and in the circumstances and situations, uh, all of those uh, before and around and what you're dealing with, uh, but you're going to have to invite him to come on board. In your life, some of you that are listening are struggling. You're struggling with some areas of unbelief. You're struggling with some areas of of deception. You, you've got sin in your life that's unconfessed and unrepented of, and you've got troubles and struggles because of these things. Or maybe you've got troubles and struggles just simply because you've not been where you need to be. Sundays, you're not in church when you know you can be. You're not worshiping. You're not being seen. You're not doing what God sets out for you to do to glorify Him and to worship Him. You've got all of these struggles in your life because you've let your spiritual life lapse. You don't take as good a care of it as you should. Let me elaborate on that. We go to the doctor to get advice on taking care of our physical. We will talk to mental health people to keep up and keep track of our mental health. We will take care of all matters of health involved in our lives, but often we ignore and neglect spiritual health. Maybe you've been ignoring your spiritual health. And Christ has come alongside and he's close enough for you to know he's there and you recognize him. But you've got to invite him to come on board. You've got to invite him to come on in and help ease and care for these dangers and the things that you're struggling with. Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared right now to reach out to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask Him to come aboard to get back into your life and to take the control that you know that you know He needs to have. So let's move on then to verse 49 and see what happens. And when they saw Him, Jesus, walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost. Now let's think about this. Here is the Son of God whom just a few hours before they have left the shore at His instructions heading to Bethsaida and in doing so they had been a part of all of these great works the sovereignty of God. And in the midst of this 
frightening struggle where fear was gripping their life, they see their Jesus walking on water and they suppose him to be a ghost. An apparition, an imaginary creature. From the Greek, we gain the word phantom. They saw Jesus as a phantom. Why? Well, it could be because of the impossibility of such an act. You know, it's just not possible for for a human being to walk on water, but yet they forgot that Jesus was not just a man, he was also 100% God. Yes, it could have been because of their fatigue, because remember they had went out, they had just been on a preaching run, and they had all come back, and when they got back, they were wanting to talk to Jesus, but then it was go across the sea, then it was the feeding of the 5,000, and now it's this, and they just haven't had time to rest. And so, yes, there's a fatigue issue there. There's also a fear issue because of the stormy conditions that they were in. Even though each one saw him, all 12 of them saw Jesus, they did not actually believe at first that it was Jesus. So, in the tr troubles and the struggles and the fear and the fatigue of life, how many times have you missed Jesus? Because you just weren't willing to accept that it was him. He came alongside of you in the middle of the storm, but you just were not willing to accept that it was Jesus. A lot of the problems that we have in society today are there because we haven't believed in Jesus. They're there because we haven't believed in the reality of Jesus being there in the middle of the storm with us and being there for us to just call upon him and instead of accepting that it was Jesus we denied it and we moved on and our storm became worse whatever it may have been it became worse whether it is a personal storm, a community storm, a state storm, a national storm, a worldwide storm, whatever it may be that you want to attribute that word storm to represent. How many of them have gotten worse in our life because we have failed to believe that it was Jesus that was standing there. That is where these twelve stood, right here in verse 49. They all saw him walking, and then they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out in fear. They all saw him. They were all troubled. But what did Jesus do? Jesus just stood there. They saw him. They were troubled. But immediately, he, Jesus, talked with them. And he said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. I don't know about you, but I have had problems in life that so overwhelmed me that I missed Jesus. And he spoke to me to let me know he was there. And 
I spent a lot of time this evening talking about storms and about life and about neglecting or ignoring Christ and everything else. But child of God, let me tell you something today. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you are a son of God through the redemption of Jesus Christ, in the middle of those storms, He will speak to you and He will give you that still small voice that says, Be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. Be of good cheer is a command. And it is always linked in the Gospels to a situation of fear and apprehension. Let me give you some examples. Not just here in verse 50, but also in chapter 10 and verse 49 of Mark's Gospel. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 and 22. In Matthew 14, verse 27. In Luke 8, 48. In John 16, 33. In Acts 23, 11. All of them look at and discuss and say, Be of good cheer. Because there is fear and there's apprehension there. When there's fear and apprehension in your life, Rest assured, Christian, rest, rest assured, saints of God. Jesus is going to show up and he's going to say, be of good cheer. It's one of the benefits that comes with being born again, with knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When he says, it is I, that is a powerful, powerful statement. It literally, it is. I am the great I am of the Old Testament. Exodus 3.14 When God proclaims to Moses, I am. Jesus is saying the very same thing here. Right before he says, do not be afraid. So there's a lot of things going on in the world right now that bring fear and apprehension. And it's overwhelming a great deal of people. There are people who are being pulled into scenarios and situations that they really don't need to be pulled into. But the fear and the apprehension of the circumstances are putting them there and they're following it and going that way. Friend, don't get sucked into those things. Don't get sucked into religious rhetoric. Don't get sucked into political rhetoric. Don't get sucked in to all of the uh, all of the sales pitches and everything that is going on around the world right now, trying to instill fear with no hope. Christian, you know there is hope in Jesus Christ. He says, "Be of good cheer." I am thy great I am, and do not be afraid. It doesn't get any plainer than that. It is a command that Christ used many times, and it is one that he fulfilled many times. Let's see what happens in verse 51. Then he went into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marvel. He went up into the boat to them. He climbed into the circumstance right where they were. He wasn't standing on the waves in the storm, but he got in the boat with the disciples. He's ready to get in the boat with you. Right where you are. And he's ready to calm the waves. He's telling you, be of good cheer. He's telling you that I am the great I am. He's telling you, do not be afraid. Whatever that fear, whatever that apprehension, Whatever that struggle, 
He is telling you, child of God, I am here, right here beside of you. I'm climbing in the boat with you. I'm climbing in the storm right where you are to be with you. It means a great deal in our lives when Christ is there. A great deal. In verse 52, For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. You see, these twelve were not the perfect model Christians. They were not the perfect Christian. They, they were not what people would call they they were they they had failed. They had failed. They were struggling. It is an explanation of the disciples' astonishment of what had just happened. You see, they misunderstood the miracle of the afternoon with the feeding of the 5,000. They couldn't grasp there at the feeding Jesus' supernatural character. They just couldn't grasp what they saw. They were processing it. Instead of believing it, just believing it. They were trying to get a greater understanding. They were trying to make some kind of a logical thing out of it. Friend, let me tell you something about God. A lot of what happens with God in your life is just something you're going to have to believe. There's not going to be any logical explanation. It is strictly by belief. And from believing comes faith. And from that faith becomes an understanding of the grace of God in your life. You see the many areas of your life where God has moved it. And whether you understand why or not, it isn't the point. It is a matter of you believing it. Do you believe in Christ as being who He says He is? Do you believe that Christ can work and can move in your life and can change and to move circumstances and situations? You need to. You need to truly believe because these 12 right here, they had a problem. It says they had hardened their hearts. The disciples' minds were impenetrable. In other words, what was going on, they just, if they couldn't make a logical sense of it, they would make no sense of it at all. They couldn't perceive what Christ was saying and what He was doing. And do you realize the phrase actually conveys or alludes to rebellion, not just ignorance? It, it, it takes us to a point where we're saying that, that no, I'm, I can't, I don't understand it so I can no longer, I just don't know if I can follow this Jesus because I don't understand it. Because I can't grasp it. Because I won't believe it. It is a very serious thing to come to a point where we refuse to believe what God tells us and what God shows us because we can't make a logical sense of it. When really all that is required is faith. Faith. Our end result is to worship and to glorify God. How do we do that if we don't believe? How do we do that if we don't 
have the faith to accept Him at what He says and what He does in front of us. When He comes to meet us in our storms and we we won't let Him in the boat. We won't ask Him to come over. Because we don't want to accept what we're feeling and what we know is going on because we can't make a logical impression, impersonate or impression of it in our minds. We can't grasp it logically, so we don't want to do anything with it spiritually. God says, don't be that way. God says, don't get in that spot, in that situation. And, and we're talking about people here who was living daily with Christ. So this is a reference and this is a pointing to the disciples of today, which are the born-again Christians. And it is also a message to those who have not accepted Christ. Those who are still pondering around in sin and they're, they're wallowing there because they just don't want to grasp the conviction of their sin and they don't want to repent of it and they don't want Christ in their life. Let me urge you this is not a matter of logic. It is not a matter of being able to sit down and connect the dots mentally or mathematically or anything else. It is a matter of believing. It is a matter of reaching out to Christ. It is a matter of repenting of sin. It is a matter of letting Him come into your life where you are. Let Him write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Accept Him. Believe in Him by faith through grace. He is there for you. Christian, the Lord is there for you. The world is not going to get any clearer. It's not going to, we are not going to see the good old days anymore. All we have is our own memories of those. It is only going to become more complicated and it is only going to become more chaotic. And right now, you have to come to a determination. Where are you going to look for your peace of mind? And where are you going to look for the strength to make the daily decisions in life that God is going to have in front of us? Will it come from the worldly things in life? Will it come from bank accounts? Will it come from politics? Will it come from social media? Will it come from the news media? Or will it come from the Word of God? Strengthened through a prayer life. We, we are going to be faced with the decisions. And I hope that, that this evening's broadcast helps you grasp and prepare for making those decisions in your life and leading your family and, and encouraging your church family because there's so much to know there is so much to gain there is so much of a reason to to have Jesus in your life especially when you're being cast around by winds and storms and you're in a very fearful situation and you're very apprehensive about what to do next. It is God. You can answer that question. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that you have given, the opportunity to open your word and to share it. Thank you, Lord God, for the people that you have placed in front of me this evening, this afternoon, for those whom you will open this message up to throughout the week ahead. 
Lord, I pray in my life that I can be the witness to Jesus that would glorify you. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word would open hearts. I pray, Heavenly Father, that my prayer life would be strengthened and encouraged, and I pray for the prayer lives of all of those who are listening. Lord, I know that we're facing some very rough waters ahead. Boat that we're in is going to be tossed around the whole lot. Heavenly Father, Lord God, only you can come and can sit in it and can calm that storm. And only you can bring contentment in our lives when the world has sought discontentment. The devil is so in season. He's trying to trip us up. I pray that you would help us. That you would help us not just now, but you would help us throughout this week and throughout the days that are ahead. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would lead, guide, and direct us. Help us to glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. My prayer is that you would have a blessed week, that you would be content in your life, that you would find a closer walk with God in everything that's done. Until next week, may God bless you.